Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range, or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to About Progress. I am your host, Monica Packer, and I am here to teach you how to take back your life and dare to progress towards bettering yourself, honing your gifts, and using them for good in the world. Listen in to be inspired by others who are walking the same path of self-improvement paired with self-love, and to be a part of a community that knows life is about progress, not perfection. Please tell me I am not the only one who has had this scenario recently. I have been harping on kindness with my kids so much. Kindness to each other, to others, to themselves. And I had had it last week. They were being so mean to each other. So at one point I was shouting at the top of my lungs, be kind to each other. And I know that wasn't kind. (laughs) It was just one of those moments where I'm like, oh. I need to rein this in. I need to get in control of myself because I'm not really teaching them. This is why I am so pleased to have the ladies of Mindful Art Company on the show today. It's Becky Farley and Candace Little. They are an aunt and niece duo. They are so fantastic. They teach mindfulness to kids through stories and art. And this 
practice of mindfulness and getting centered in our emotions has truly transformed our family's culture and our happiness. I'm going to share a little story about that at the end and how this can relate to you. These amazing women are here today to tell us how we can help our kids be more mindful of their true emotions because so often our kids' emotions come out in the in the way that they're not really feeling. So sadness or exhaustion might come out as anger um, or bouncing off the walls. So they're going to show us today how to teach mindful emotional responsibility to our children. And the biggest part of that is modeling, folks. So not only are you going to learn how to do this for your kids, but you're going to learn how to do this for yourselves. Let's turn to our time together. I want to welcome the founders of Mindful Art Company, Candace Little and Becky Farley. Hi, ladies. Hi. Such a pleasure to have you guys on. Now, you are an aunt and niece duo, correct? Yes, we are. Okay, so how about you tell us how this all started, Becky? Well, for me, it started quite a while ago. Um, I, it, I uh, ended up having a stillborn baby and Aww. went through a pretty deep postpartum depression and mm-hmm. needed just a way out, a way to be able to find some peace. And so I started meditating, and that was 15 years ago. Wow. And I really haven't since then. I didn't know that story. Uh, what What made you decide meditating was something that would be a healing practice for you? Well, my counselor um, suggested it to me and kind of talked me through it. And, I mean, that's a whole another story I could tell about this amazing woman yeah. um, who basically changed my life. And I, I kind of feel like she's sort of our business angel yes. sitting on top of our shoulders. And she's since passed on. She was kind of, wow. uh, she was older when I went to her. She was in her 80s mm. and has since passed on, but kind of has always been with with me and I think with Candace too. And I'll let Candace tell her story of how, kind of how she got into it and then how, how the business ended up That would happening. be great. Yes, thank you. Go ahead, Candace. Let's hear yeah. how, how you started into this whole mindfulness meditation practice. Yes. So Becky has been teaching meditation forever, it seems like, um, whether like formally or informally. Um, and I finally went to one of her classes a couple years ago, and it changed my life. Like I realized some things about myself, um, one of them being self-compassion, um, that mm-hmm actually been a strength that I've already always had and I was worried about how I was going to be able to teach that to my kids and so Becky identified that for me and I like got to work right away how am I going to teach my kids these mindfulness principles and when Becky found out that I was teaching my kids by telling them stories and doing art projects she was like wait like this is other people need this so that's kind of how the business started is we decided that, yeah, we think more adults do want to hear this and more kids want to hear this um, and add it to their lives and make just be, be more positive and more present in their daily lives. So we went for it. And that was, um, well, well, we'll have an official one year birthday in October of our company. That's so we're so not exciting. super old, yeah. but uh, we, we feel like, We've done a lot more than we ever thought we would have. So, 
What would you say your mission is of your company? Oh, so our our mission is to teach emotional responsibility and self-compassion through meditation, stories, and art. Wow, that is beautiful. Emotional responsibility. Okay, so that's actually what you're here to talk about today, this emotional responsibility. I have some very high emotional kids and opposite personalities, which can be very tricky for me to deal with as a parent. Um, But I can vouch for this emotional responsibility piece being a very important part of the puzzle of helping connect with your kids and guide them to being able to manage their own emotions better instead of just constantly disciplining and putting in time out for bad behavior. So today we're going to have you guys talk about how mindfulness can help our children connect to themselves better emotionally and what that looks like. So I first want you to talk about why do kids struggle to connect with their emotions or to misplace them? Okay, well, the first thing, Monica, that we need to know is that it's not just kids that struggle to connect with their emotions. Mm -hmm. It's all of us. I mean, everybody struggles with this because it's scary. When you come up against a negative emotion, we don't like to call them good or bad. I think that that is, you know, an old term that we've just got to kick out of our life. Emotions aren't good and bad. They're positive and negative. Like a battery charge needs positive and negative charge to work. Hmm. We need positive and negative charge. But oftentimes in families and maybe in school and in other places, they'll get labeled as bad. If you're angry, you're bad. If you have fear, you're bad. No, that's not true. It, you're feeling the fear, and there's a reason for it. And if you look at it that way, it's a gift more than just something that we need to push away and shove. And I think that the number one thing that we can do for our kids is to actually own our own emotions. So if we're feeling scared, if we're feeling upset, fearful, instead of, you know, throwing it on someone else, pushing it onto someone else, we actually say, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit scared right now. I'm feeling a little bit upset and then actually doing something about it. So if, we're hangry, for instance, and you realize, and I know that this is true with, with busy moms, that you'll hit three o'clock and you wonder why everyone's a jerk. <laughs> everyone's a jerk and, you know, you hate everyone and everyone hates you and what the heck is going on? Well, instead of hitting down that rabbit hole to take it and actually go and make yourself a sandwich and eat a sandwich and then ask yourself again, how am I feeling? Am I feeling a little bit better? Oh, yeah, actually, I am. Things things aren't going down that terrible rabbit hole like they were before, and I think I can handle my day. I love yeah, that so example. If you, tra- if you translate that into, like, the kids' world, right, that they're tired, and mm-hmm. instead of going down and taking a nap or going to bed, they decide to hit their brother or bounce off the walls or, you know, be super crazy. Um, that's something that parents get to help their kids um, recognize, right? So the first step to emotional responsibility is to recognize your emotions and um, like label them, know what they are. And so I think a lot of times when a kid is acting one way and feeling something else, 
is simply because he hasn't or she hasn't said to themselves, I'm tired. Mm-hmm. I'm not excited. I'm tired. Um, so for, for kids and adults, you always want to recognize your emotion first. And then um, the, second, the, the second step is to take care of your emotion, right? Okay. Yeah, so take charge and then take oh, care. take charge and then take care. So, um, like, we could walk through those, like, in this scenario if you want. Yeah, do, please. Um, so, Becky, should we do the, like, should we do a, a tired kid, a hungry kid? What is the kid feeling? Monica, you give us, a, us an example. Oh, yeah, one we, of your yeah, kids. yeah, yeah, one of your kids. We'll work through one of their responsible with okay so let's I like have too many examples like oh this 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 um (laughs) one of my kids I think has uh, just gets overwhelmed and wants a lot of quiet and there's very little uh opportunity for them to have that quiet in our in our small home with a lot of kids so I would say overwhelmed is a is an emotion they're feeling Okay, that's a good one. But the way it comes out is, you know, trying to control everybody else, getting really angry, having tantrums. Right. So she may be feeling overwhelmed, but it also sounds like she's acting frustrated. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So whatever emotions, and obviously we can be feeling lots of emotions at the same time. Um, But so the first step is to recognize it. The second step is to take charge. So, Becky, will you explain the difference between taking charge of your emotion and letting your emotion take charge of you? Okay, so you can respond or you can react in a situation. So if, if you have a reaction, basically what would happen with your child is exactly what you just said. He, would, he or she would yell and kick and scream, and I'm not getting... But if you respond, what we like to do is take them back to their breath. Yeah. Um, so there's a space in between your breath, and this is what we call the magic space. Hmm. So if you breathe in, and then there's the space, and then you breathe out, and then there's the space. So if you don't mind, I don't know if we can do this with your listeners right now. So if we just breathe in, and then there's the space, and breathe out. And there's that space. It's been shown that just that microsecond, that little teeny tiny space in the in-breath and the out-breath can change from a reaction to a response if you train your brain to go to that. The problem is, is that we have been trained to not breathe during any type of stimulus. And that's what I found myself doing when I had this terrible postpartum depression. I had stopped breathing. Yeah. And I actually thought about that. I mean, I didn't breathe when I was feeling happy. I didn't breathe when I was feeling sad. I didn't breathe any time, any type of reaction. I would stop breathing for, you know, for a little bit. And I couldn't figure out why. And then I realized it was because I felt like there wasn't enough oxygen for me. And I was saving it for everyone else. Mm. And I'm sure that there's a whole psychotherapy thing I could think about with that but but the point is is we actually have to train ourselves to breathe and the reason why is the breath is always with us so it's always a tool that we can use in order to change that reaction to a response 
So if we ourselves are breathing when, you know, for instance, that that example that you gave with your child, if you'll go to the breath, eventually what will happen is you'll teach your child to breathe at the same time. The water gets down the road. Just like a garden, if you, if you water it from the top on down, that water will get down and that garden will grow in the way that you want it to. So the way that you want to teach your kids mindfulness is to actually be practicing it yourself. And the best way to practice it is in those situations that there's a tense, you know, thing going on, something's happening, everything, you know, there's always some type of crisis to actually take yourself back to that breath breathing in, breathing out, noticing that calm space. That space is where the calm lives. Not only is that the place that you can change your reaction to a a better response, but it's actually the place that you feel the calm. Even in that microsecond, you actually can feel the calm, and it's always with you. But we're just trained to not notice the spaces in our lives, right? We're trained to not notice that there's a space in the breath that there's a space between our thoughts, there's even a space between our emotions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, so two things on that. I think a lot of why we're taught to react versus respond is we see modeled all around us to um, make others responsible for our emotions. So we're reacting knee jerk because they're responsible in our minds. But when mm-hmm. that, that little magic space you're talking about is an opportunity to respond with responsibility. I'm taking charge of this emotion. And in addition to that, I feel like that magic space yep. is you taking charge because you're listening to the emotion. Like you're actually listening to it and feeling it. Um, instead of trying to ignore it or misplacing it. Like for me, um, my, after I had my third kid, I had never, I never knew I would be such a terrible parent (laughs) until I had my third kid, you know, I know. And you know what? Looking back, I can look on my, my inability to respond, like my inability to deal with my kids and the emotions around me was because I was actually exhausted and overwhelmed. I wasn't angry. I was exhausted. So (laughs) now it's been so different with my fourth kid. It's been so different because I think I learned this. Oh, absolutely. And nothing like a fourth kid to (laughs) shove you into a whole lot of learning. I know he's been so sweet. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that we've got the primary emotion, which is that first emotion that we're feeling. And, and in your case, and maybe in your child's case, 
you know, it is the overwhelm. It is the, mm-hmm. the stress. It is the, that's the first emotion. But the problem is, is that because we don't notice the space in between our emotions, we head straight into anger. Yeah. I mean, what, they, what they've said is that emotions only last 90 seconds. Huh. After 90 seconds, you've, you've gone into a new emotion. And you so can, we, so you can use that for your, your benefit, right? To take that absolutely. pause? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. If we don't recognize, I mean, people say, well, I've been mad for 10 years, you know, for a decade. <laughs> I've been mad at this guy for 10 years. He's such a jerk and I can't stand. Well, that's not true. At some point, that mad, that anger did end. But we chose to bring it back with an internal dialogue. Yeah. So... That's where that pause comes into such, it it just becomes your biggest helper. If you can learn to breathe, notice the breath, notice the space, you can also learn to notice, oh, you know what, I'm feeling better now that I've eaten a sandwich. I'm not, I'm not so hungry as I was, or I'm feeling better now. I actually got a good night's sleep. Mm -hmm. Oh, today is a good day. But we're just so trained to only notice the negative because it's so glaring in our life instead of actually taking the positive and saying, you know what, today I feel really good. Or even even micro moments, because I know throughout, especially with a busy mom, you know, you have you have terrible moments and you have awesome moments. But if you just take a moment to, to do what you said, to breathe it in and to actually recognize it, recognize, you know, I'm feeling pretty good right now. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Let's let's take that and focus on that a little bit more. And and I really do believe in that concept of the water getting down the road. When we ourselves are practicing a, a mind more mindful life, breathing, you know, taking that moment to actually feel the emotions. We say emotions you can feel in pretty much four main spots in your body, which are your head, your heart, your hands, and your gut. And if you're watching those four spots of your uh, in your body, you can actually kind of see what you're feeling. And when you go to that physical, more the physical sensation as opposed to the mental um, over-identification that happens when you are feeling a negative emotion, you know, then you almost become that emotion. We don't want that to happen. But if you go more to these four spots, head, hands, heart, and gut, and you think, what is my gut feeling? What, what are my hands doing as I'm feeling this anger? Oh, look, they're balling up into fists. I've got my hands into fists like I want to hit someone. My heart is racing. And if you actually go to that physical sensation, you can rise kind of above the emotion and you're actually the one that is more aware of the emotion as opposed to being anger. You're just aware of anger. And then hmm. you, of course, watch it. 90 seconds goes by. You watch it and it disappears. And then you can allow yourself to breathe. And, of course, it'll come back again. But we know that with the breath, we can allow it to leave. Okay. So I know that this is what you guys teach so well with your business and, and we will link to ways for people to learn from you and to teach more with your children. Uh, Candace, there was a third thing you said, take care. Is that what you were talking about, Becky, with this 90 second space or what were, what more can we add to that, Candace? Okay. So 
But if we're going to go back to the example of your kids that's feeling overwhelmed or frustrated with all the noise, so a good way to take care of the emotion is, first of all, show, show yourself compassion, right? Like, I understand, like, this is my temperament. I understand that I'm here, and no matter, I'm, I may always feel overwhelmed at 4 o'clock when all my siblings are being loud. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That's me, and that's okay. So that's one way to take care of the emotion. Um, and another way would be taking a breath. That is taking care of your emotion. If you can recognize um, in the moment that, oh, I, I am feeling overwhelmed, and you can become friends with that emotion, that's, that's taking care of it. Um, in the example of the hangry mom, taking care of that emotion is a sandwich, right? Um, there's also, I mean, your, your child, you probably already figured this out, but you can go to a quiet room. Um, you can set a timer and say for 10 minutes every day at four o'clock, I get my quiet time. Um, and that can be a way that you can take care of that overwhelming feeling or that frustrated feeling that you're not um, getting that quiet that you need. Um, Becky, do you have anything to add about taking care of an emotion? Well, I think the most important thing is to recognize that it is yours. <laughs> it's it's your emotion. So it's so easy, especially for me, to blame my husband. Oh, my lands. My husband gets blamed for everything <laughs> when I'm, when I'm, you know, sad. I don't know what I... that's like at all. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> I'm sure everyone's but like, I, oh, I... no, I do that too. <laughs> amazing how the people that are closest to us are generally the ones that always get blamed and we just yeah. love to sling sling that negative emotion right on everyone else so the first thing to realize is you know this is mine this is mine I am the one that's angry I am the one that's frustrated I am the one that's angry you know whatever it is and then say and that's okay that's okay that I'm feeling this way I actually have I, I can feel this way and there's nothing wrong with that but what's wrong is when I react to it okay. so the emotion isn't wrong but the reaction can often be something that is you know detrimental to, okay to so having this a is, happy, happy life and this is something like a way to teach this with kids I'm not the expert but that has been working so well with um, one of my kids, whenever he gets so angry, that's his go-to um, way to misplace his emotions is with anger and like really mm. big anger. And so I, this is one thing he knows how to say back to me. I said, is it okay to feel angry? And he's supposed to say yes. And then I'm, and then I'm, and then I say, is it okay to hit so-and-so? No. Is it okay to shout? No. So what do you do when you're angry? And we have this whole thing he goes down. But one, the first one is to take a deep breath. Sometimes I can't talk him through that, though. So when he's raging, I just get down at his level. I mean, when I'm in control of my own emotions, too, when I'm taking responsibility. And I just, like, take a deep breath in front of him. I don't even tell him, breathe. I just take a deep breath until oh, yeah, he notices. Awesome. And, I, and then he, he does it a few times. I never expected this kid to be the one who likes meditation. I started to do it for his older sister to handle, like, the, the high, like, 
um, overwhelming and anxiety. And he's the one who likes to lay there and listen to the stories and all that. So I love that you guys are showing, telling us the number one way to teach these to our kids, these practices is to practice them ourselves. Um, yeah. What else can, and it may can do look, it? I mean, mm-hmm. it may look like that you can't take a lot of time to do. I mean, I'm sure that yeah. everyone's saying, oh, how am I ever going to do that? But Candace and I have always said in the classes at the stoplight, you know, if you're out, if you're out and you're driving, you take, you know, three deep breaths during the stoplight. Yeah. I mean, we all, drive, all hit stoplights and that's kind of your cue. So having a, a cue throughout the day to be able to practice is that's really so smart. good. Right. It's, it's finding those magic spaces to breathe in your life. Like one that I found was when, my toddler runs around instead of laying down so I can change his diaper. Yeah. That's become a place where I get to take a couple of deep breaths. And it's a lot better than like begging him to lay down. And for me, that was like a little magic space that I found. So those pop up everywhere. You know, when you're waiting for your kids to come out from dance lessons or when you're waiting for somebody to reply from a text message, if your daughter is on her way home, like you take a few deep breaths and like you found your magic space. And it does, it really does, um, it keeps you in a mindset where you are noticing short little ways that you can explain to your kids mindfulness principles. Um, I have a really quick example of that um, with my two-year-old. So every time we see a balloon at a grocery store, the the two-year-old is going to want it, right? Yeah. And I think that's that's how our emotions are. Like when we see an emotion in our bodies, or in our minds, we want to react to that emotion. But what I've done with my two-year-old is when we see a balloon, we, we wave hello to it. We don't ask if we can have it. We don't cry about it. We just, oh, hello, balloon. Cute. And this day one with him, I've like kind of been doing this little mindfulness experiment. Like, if we just wave hello to the balloon, like, is that going to be enough for him? And it has been amazing. Like, he's two and a half now. When we see balloon, it's, oh, hello, balloon. And when we see candy, when we see other toys that he knows that we can't buy, it's, oh, hello, m and Oh, hello, fire truck. That and is so brilliant. Like, there, once you incorporate it into your life, you, you start noticing stuff like that. So, it, the, like Becky says, the water can get down the road mm. because you're in. And maybe even with your son, you know, maybe allowing him to even say hello to that anger. Oh, I love that idea. I mean, just just for him to recognize, for him to acknowledge, I am feeling anger. Because what that does is it puts the power back into his court instead of into this fictitious anger. You know, whatever Mm -hmm. that is. Whatever that anger monster is, it's pretend. It's like the monster under the bed. It's not real. Once you get up. You get up and you look under the bed and you say, oh, there's nothing there. This is something I can handle. And that's the same thing with our emotions. Once we actually look at it and say, this is anger. This is what it feels like in my head, in my hands, in my gut, and in my heart. I know what it feels like. And here it is again, my old friend anger. Hello, friend. Hello, friend anger. You'll come in and you'll leave eventually. And I love that that's also detaching the morality of the emotions like we so often do when, you know, like you said, you linger, you label uh, anger as bad. Um, 
Like this son has, has said out loud, I'm bad. I'm bad. Like after he hits or like, I'm the worst. You know what, ladies, though? I, I am feel so grateful to be raised here and now because I can't imagine having these strong emotional kids 50 years ago when people weren't getting into this hype of mindfulness and meditation. I think it's transformed my parenting. It's transformed my relationships with my kids. And I'm really grateful for people like you who are making this happen for other families and for parents. So Candace and Becky, before we leave today, I'd like if you could both answer uh, my last question. And it can be a serious answer or a lighthearted or simple, funny, whatever it might be to you. It's, this is the question. It's what have you learned about yourself the past few years? And I'll let you decide who can go first. Mm. Wow. Do you want me to go first? Do you have an answer? Sure. Okay. Awesome. Um, okay. So my mindfulness journey only kind of started a couple of years ago. So I feel like I've had a huge transformation. Um, but I would say one of the biggest things that it's taught me is um, because I was more willing to let in those negative emotions, I have been able to have way more positive emotions too. And I just feel like I'm living like a richer, fuller life. So I guess my answer would be that in the past couple of years, I've learned how to live a richer, fuller life by letting in and like really saying hello to all of my emotions. That is brilliant. Wow, Candace, thank you. Becky. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> okay, well, for me, um, I'm just going to tell a short story. It'll just take just a few seconds, well, maybe a minute, about a farmer. And maybe yeah. some of your listeners have heard this, but it's about a farmer. And he has a horse and he has a son. And one day the horse runs away and all of his neighbors come over and they say, oh, what bad luck you've had. That's so terrible. I can't believe it. And he turns to him and he says, perhaps. And the next day, the horse comes back with four other horses that are of a better breed. And all of his neighbors come and say, oh, what amazing luck you've had. How amazing. Are you so happy? And he says, perhaps. (laughs) And the next day, the son is out training the horses and falls and breaks his leg. And the neighbors come back and say, oh, it's so terrible. Your son has broken his leg. What are you going to do? I can't believe your luck. And he says, perhaps. And then the next day, the army comes to get people to um, get him into the army. And there's a war going on. And instead of taking his son, they pass him by because he has a broken leg. And Mm -hmm. the neighbors all come and say, oh, you have the best luck. Are you so happy? That's amazing. Your son got passed by and he says, perhaps. So I think what I've learned through this whole journey is what I say I want seriously carved on my tombstone, which is wait it out. Wait it out. Things will get better and things will get worse. But there is a lesson to learn in all of it. And it's okay. Just Wait it out. Things will get better. Oh, that's great. I thought you were going to maybe say perhaps on your tombstone. (laughs) But I think wait it out is is much better. I think I need that tattooed on something. That is awesome. Wait wait it out or perhaps. Wait it out. (laughs) I like that story to illustrate. You know, you two are just an 
a force to be reckoned with. Thank you very much for being on the show. Oh, we're so, so happy. Thank you so much for letting us. Yes, thank you. Candace and Becky were so fun to chat with, and I learned a lot. Now, these amazing women were a sponsor to my Rediscover You workshop in September in Utah, and what they included for our guests was just phenomenal. We had some mindfulness tracks, those stories where they uh, teach kids how to be mindful. They're like meditative stories. They're brilliant, as well as a mindfulness game for kids. I cannot recommend their products enough. Truly, I cannot. So make sure you link Make sure you go to the website that I have linked in my show notes, and you can find that on my website, aboutprogress.com. Now for my quick story, I've shared about my kids' high emotions, but I wanted to share about one of them. My second oldest, a son, he just turned five in April. Well, I guess this isn't just anymore. He's five, and he 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 is the one that resorts to that anger. And I finally realized that when he is struggling with this anger, and I mean such big anger that I have literally tried exercising demons from him. I'm not kidding. I have finally realized that this extreme anger is due to him not feeling connected with me emotionally. So when there's an uptick in him not being able to control himself, it's because I have not taken the one-on-one time that he needs often enough or in the manner that he wants it. So connecting with him by reading books or doing some um, mag formers on the floor, anything like that, or doing a meditative practice with him where we just lay on the bed together and we listen to a meditation story, that has changed everything for my son and by extension, me. So I just want to give you that moment of hope. If you are battling the big emotions from your little ones, start embracing this practice of mindfulness and owning their emotions and learning how to deal with them better. Breathing, it's so huge. And I feel like a hippie saying all this, but you know what? I am a hippie. I'm just going to own it, you guys, and I hope you do too. Again, make sure you check out Mindful Art Company on my show through my show notes on my website aboutprogress.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.